The average American changes residences uh, somewhere around a dozen times in his or her adult life. This is quite a remarkable thing. And uh, if you've ever moved, you've had the experience of boxing up everything in your house and putting it on a truck, going back through the house to make sure you didn't forget anything. Seeing your house with nothing in it, remembering all the memories that you have in each room, where the furniture was and so on, it's kind of a desolate feeling if you've ever done that. And if you're an American, you probably have. That's probably how you should feel when you come into church on the fifth Sunday of Lent, a sense of slight desolation. Uh, all of the familiar images are covered up. And this is meant to bring about a mortification of the senses. We are accustomed to seeing beautiful icons and statues in our church. And of course, they are a part of the education that the liturgy provides us. Icons make visible spiritual realities that are already here that we can't otherwise see with our bodily senses. Now, if that's the case, if icons are so important in statues in Catholic churches, why do we cover them? Let's think about, again, the analogy between our physical senses and spiritual senses for a moment. There are several conditions that have to be met for us to see anything in the world. The first one, of course, is that there be sufficient light and that the object that we're looking at uh, reflect that light. In other words, it's in the light, it's not behind something. But our eyes also have to be healthy. If uh, there's something wrong with our eyes, we won't see correctly. Uh, many of us here are wearing glasses. That means you need some kind of corrective uh, technology to see well. Furthermore, this is a kind of interesting one. It's necessary to know, to some extent, what we're looking at or what we're seeking to find in the thing we're looking at. And this requires sometimes some training on how to see with greater precision. So, for example, an architect who looks at a blueprint will see things on it that will go unnoticed by someone who lacks the training to read a blueprint. Now, let's switch over by analogy to our spiritual senses. These require analogous conditions for us to see spiritually, which is what we want to do uh, as Christians. We want to see the spiritual realities around us. And again, normally we use icons and so on to do this. Uh, but we, we need, first of all, light. We need interior illumination. We receive this spiritual light at baptism and confirmation when we receive the Holy Spirit's life, and that became the principle of our new life in Christ. The light of the gospel now shines on everything we encounter, and we can learn to see by this spiritual light. Now, of course, we have to keep our spiritual eyes healthy, just as we need to go to the eye doctor to make sure our physical eyes are healthy. In the spiritual realm, this means avoiding sin. This means battling against concupiscence, against pride. And hence the practices of Lent we've been practicing, mortification of the flesh. But we also profit, just as the architect can read a blueprint, we profit by training our spiritual senses. Right? We do this through prayer, through attendance at the liturgy, through recollection and watchfulness in our everyday life, through the reading of Holy Scripture, and so on. Now, there's one key element that is required, and it doesn't follow exactly this pattern of analogy because uh, 
the spiritual life transcends the physical life in every possible way. To receive the grace of baptism, we must imitate our Lord Jesus Christ and, like a grain of wheat, fall into the ground and die. That is, our life in the flesh must be truly mortified. And the covering of images during these two last weeks of Lent reminds us of this stark reality that we must die to ourselves. We are passing through this time when the ruler of the world is being cast out, as Jesus says in today's gospel, and we are being drawn to Christ, into Christ, through his being lifted up on the cross. And again, we can't see this with our physical eyes. This is something we have to see through faith. We're passing through this time again uh, when this is taking place, and when the images are uncovered again at the Easter Vigil, when we renew our rebirth and baptism and illumination at the font, at the vigil, these images will burst forth with new spiritual energy and reality for us. They will provide a new and stronger spiritual insight, right, to see the inside of things, the reality that God sees, especially to the extent that we consent to follow Christ as his servants. I'd like to close by asking you to remember one aspect of this following of Christ that's very important. Throughout John's gospel, and it's just such a beautiful gospel, I, I really recommend reading it and rereading it, Jesus emphasizes over and over again that he's come into the world to accomplish his Father's will. And today's second reading from Hebrews underlines this idea that Christ learned obedience, right? And he learned this from what he suffered. This was the test that he underwent. And by this obedience, he obtained eternal salvation for you and for me. This is how it happened uh, through his obedience, his desire to do the Father's will. So we as his disciples then, we undertake these mortifications not to punish ourselves, not out of stoic duty or something like this, to the extent that we can manage it, we undertake these things out of love for God, a desire to accomplish the Father's will, his salvific will, to be drawn into Christ out of love for God, to be a part of this movement of the church away from this fallen world into the new reality, the new Jerusalem. The Father testifies in today's gospel to the fact that Jesus' passion will bring glory to God, and even before the voice from heaven sounds, Jesus has consented to his passion, in spite of the fact that he tells us it's troubling. You know, he says he's troubled at the beginning of this passage. This is his human nature that he's assumed for us. But he rises above the obstacles of this human, typical human recoil from suffering. And he does this by reminding himself of his desire to be obedient to the Father whom he loves and the Father who loves him in the Spirit. The voice, he says, is for our sakes. This is because Christ's human nature isn't beset by sin as our human nature is. So we need additional encouragement. We need this voice from heaven testifying. Yes, trust that through your obedience you will bring glory to God, salvation to your souls, glory to the church. But the motive is the same. 
The motive is love of God, trust in his goodness. This is what makes obedience, uh, quick obedience, possible. If absence of the heart, um, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, we can use this time of spiritual, sensual mortification, absence of images from our churches, to bring to the eyes of the Spirit the many beautiful mysteries that we long to see again, that the Holy Spirit has revealed in our hearts. And during this time of the Passion, we can keep our eyes then fixed on Jesus, and may he inspire and perfect our faith.